driving into the crossroads of sports and politics. We are the Bill Bradley Collective. Here are your hosts, Ed, Zach, and Andrew. Welcome to the Bill Bradley Collective on a somewhat snowy Friday night. Um, Drain for us. Yeah, it was a little snow. It's um, anyway, nothing like they're getting in Buffalo. I guess they're going to get like mm. another 15 inches with the game. Well, so how you doing, Zach? Uh, doing well. You know, we're back inside and uh, yeah, last, hibernating for the winter as a podcast. Last week, last week was a mistake. That was not great. Going outside was a mistake, and it was my call, and it was not a good call. <laughs> that you did not, we did not leave the option for you this week. Correct. Back in my day, we did the pods outside, man. <laughs> Snow yeah, on the ground. Yeah. Snow on the ground in my day. Back in my, we used to record 45 minutes Back in ways. my day, 2020. Yeah. Um, so, Zach, in Springfield, pretty much everybody, including Homer, joins a cult. Yeah, the Stonecutters. No, no. Not the, a religious cult. Oh, yes. <laughs> what was the name of it? Oh, man. I could see the spaceship with the bags of money falling <laughs> off it. Um... Oh man, there's so many good lines from that episode. That's a later. That's later in the. It's it's in it's in the golden age. It's like season nine. I just I don't. I, I guess season five. No, it's later than that. All right. I just I don't. I don't. The I movementarians. Don't, the movementarians. <laughs> the movementarians. Not a not a not a not right. a leader. <laughs> yeah. Was... And if we remember, um, Reverend Lovejoy. <laughs> put a gas all over the, all over the the church, and I thought I'd never have to do this again. <laughs> yes. How are you doing, Andrew? Doing well. Doing well. Let's uh, get it get after here. So, you told me last week that uh, you're really good on uh, on Heisman trivia, and I gave you a very easy one. Were those my exact really good? Yes. Oh yes. God! You were. You were. You were effusively arrogant about your <laughs> well, knowledge. I must have had a few uh, um, a few pops. Uh. So, in consecutive years in the 60s, two different players from two different schools, but in the same city, won the Heisman Trophy. Who were they? It's it's Gary Beban at UCLA, and it's the, um, the running back at U- It's Is it is it OJ or is it uh, uh, Garrett? Um, it was the sixties. Sixties. Well, no, yeah, they want they. That's like sixty-five, sixty-seven. I want to say maybe sixty-seven, seventy-eight. I'll say OJ and Gary Beban, but it, it might. It, it is OJ and Gary Beban. Okay. Boom, boom. Sixty-seven, seventy-eight, sixty-seven, sixty-eight. Yes. Is that right? Okay. Right. Beban only, only played big. two years in the pros. Yeah, big props from the uh, peanut gallery right. as Laura walked by. Yeah. Thank you, Laura. Uh, and, Much uh, obliged. Um. It's, it's, uh, are they dead or alive? So OJ is alive. Um, Unfortunately. Yeah. That's but it. his wife, not so much. <laughs> not so much. So much nor, <laughs> no, nor Ron. Um, Gary Beban. Alive? Yeah, he's alive. Oh, cool. Um, only played two years in the NFL. Finished out the season, right? Yeah. 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 Coming in strong yeah. at the end. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I, hey, I backed up the Heisman Because he's getting, he's getting right. his Heisman Woo. questions oh, now. We, we are. Not only, did oh, you no, back up the, not only did you back up the Heisman, you backed it up incredibly quick. Yeah. We're going there was deal. no consternation there. There was That was good for Brandon's editing. Yeah, yeah no, that's good. clean. I didn't mark it. Very any. good. Um, so, uh, <laughs> Chad Gary B. We're, we, are go- over. we are going. Uh, we are uh, going. USC running backs. You know. We are going to keep going with the Heisman until I get one that he doesn't get. Um, so, we're, you know, I, I'm now I'm now dug in, and of course, the one I wanted to use, I had mentioned because he just died, uh, Pat Sol- Pat Sullivan, who he oh. had never heard of. But everywhere's the crown. Everywhere's the crown. All right, so today is Rantapalooza. And so uh, I'm going to kick it off to you. Yeah, so to start us off uh, on our rants of Palooza this evening, I'm going to start off with a story I wanted to talk about during election season that popped up, which was Tulsi Gabbard. For some reason, the left loves her. The right loves her. Everyone else who's normal hates her. She like is an Assad apologist in Syria. She goes on Tucker Carlson. She ran for president basically as a Republican. And during the, in the Democratic primary. In the Democratic primary, she ran basically as a Republican. You know, she I can't tell if she has gone so far left that she's come back around the other side right, or if she's just a lunatic. 
And both of those things can be true at the same time. Um, I tend to believe that if she was not a very attractive Hawaiian uh, woman who's in her 30s, that she might not have the following on the left and the right that she does have, uh, especially going on Tucker Carlson. But during the election, she went and campaigned for Carrie Lake in Arizona, uh, who we talked about several times uh, during our uh, prediction election prediction season. Carrie Lake, election denier, currently filing complaints saying the election was stolen, uh, pushing election denialism on her own governor's race, uh, which is not a surprise. Tulsi Gabbard went and campaigned for her at a rally and even said so much as that she's a rock star. Now, Tulsi is no longer an elected official. Uh, so in some ways, you know, this isn't as important as a rant I'll have coming up later. But it is still important in the sense of she was a presidential candidate. She is a voice for the left in some ways. But when you guys saw this, one, I mean, I wasn't surprised. No. We, we, like, the, she's just routinely terrible. And I kind of figure, like, good, like, good, good, leave the party. Please get out of here. If, if, if you're going on Fox News all the time and you don't have a public office, then why would we care? Some of the far left love, I think, is kind of dissipated because. The the Tucker, Tucker Carlson, Tucker Carlson stuff, yeah. probably is, is a bridge too far, although Assad should have been a bridge too far. Um, but no, she is, uh, I don't believe that there is any unifying theory she has. I think she's a lunatic and ultimately will be the bachelorette. Yeah, like the appeal is like it's twofold, like Zach said. Like it's the fact that she's very attractive and the fact that I think we're all, not we necessarily us, but like people are starved for those that go across the aisle and they, and they can appeal to both sides of the spectrum and this and that. It, it, it's until you actually listen to her talk. It's until you actually read her tweets. Until you look at her like just kind of history or like uh, platforms where, no, this is not this is not an ally of ours. This is somebody that does not belong in this party. But, you know, and, it, but I say belong by just ideologically. But like you said, like the yearning for that bipartisanship to come just, back in America just, just is, is, is like hallmark narrative. You know, that's that's Joe Biden. That's what our president has literally made his career out of. That's fair. If you're appealing to the far left who, you know, I'm a leftist. I'm not a far leftist. Um, No, she appeals to both fringes. But she appears to the fringes. She appeals to like the 5% on the left and the 5% on the right. And that's Tucker Carlson. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, Jimmy Dore on the left. Um, these are the people that love her. It's just, I, I don't know who her audience is anymore. And I think, you know, since she's dropped out, once Carrie Lake lost, we haven't heard anything from her. She's, she's not on Fox News. She's not a pundit anymore. She's she'll, she'll, she'll be going to Newsmax. She's a loser. Yeah, she'll be on Newsmax. <laughs> yeah, she'll be on Newsmax. So I dedicate a lot of time on this air to like talking about golf, especially in the rants. And this past season, we did a whole episode on um, live golf and they're in the context of sports washing. So I kind of want to give you a look into my crystal ball of what, what the golf landscape kind of, uh, you know, is going to look like in 2023. Um, the PGA tour is in its, you know, it's brief hibernation here. It's going to conclude its unofficial silly season with the father's son challenge this week, which I believe I ranted about here about the media's obsession with Tiger Woods's next of kin, Charlie, a 13-year-old who people want to just kind of anoint as the next big thing because of his genes. Um, there was a thing on Twitter today. Uh, the PGA Tours account took pictures of his divot pattern on the range of a 14-year-old child who uh, has never even like won an amateur event. That's just this really bizarre fascination. I, I mean, I guess it's kind of... Apropos, because here's Tiger, who's on Mike Douglas at the age of, what, like three? Three. Hitting putts, and so I guess uh, exploitation of these children is just how it goes. Um, Groomers. 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 The the PGA Tour. The tour will commence its season after the new year in Hawaii for a two-event swing, the first of which is the Tournament of Champions, all of the past champions from 2022, and also um, all of the... Players from the top 30 in the FedEx Cup because they can't quite fill out the full field. The reason they can't fill out the full field is because winners from last season 
jumped to live. The most notable um, departure was the actual, would have been the defending champion at the season inaugurating event in Kapalua, Hawaii. Uh, that's one Cameron Smith, who captured that event in record-breaking fashion, went on to win the Open Championship in July, uh, ascend to the top of the world rankings, and then very quickly get his FedEx Cup bonus money and jump to live. Brings me to live. They're coming back. They're going to run it back. Um, not on the same courses. Not on the, you know, they're going to run. They're going to run Valderrama in Spain, home of the 97 Ryder Cup, home of a European tour event for a long time. Um, more or less the unofficial, uh, like, Seve Ballesteros' almost like home course. Um, they're going to run the Greenbrier in West Virginia, mansion country. Um, this, this like, world-renowned resort that somehow is in the middle of Sulphur Springs, West Virginia. Once hosted a PGA Tour event. It's hosted a Ryder Cup as well. A prestigious golf club. They're going to run Mayacoba in Mexico, which was also home to a PGA Tour event for many years. Um, Liv's running it back. Without a TV deal. Without, um, you know, we haven't had any... New additions to the roster. We haven't had any defections in the last few months, not really since that Cam Smith class from, from August. Look, this thing's not going anywhere. And the fact that it's not going anywhere isn't because it's necessarily a good product. It's because of what we've talked about. It's because of the endless money that the Saudis will funnel into this thing. Look, do I expect there to be more defections this year? For sure. Um, but until they touch that, that crest of the PGA Tour, that is, and obviously Tiger and McElroy and Thomas and Spieth, who just did the, the match. Did you watch that? The match? No. TNT, they did a it, prime it, was, time it was great. It was pretty fucking entertaining. It was great. It, I think it was the best version of it, honestly. They were mic'd up. There's a lot of ball busting. It was, it was good TV. Um, and golf in prime time under the lights is just cool. That should be a thing. Golf courses just light up, and we should go play Shenny at like 9 o'clock on a fucking Saturday night next summer. Never happened, but one can dream. Until they touch that class, until they get a ROM, until they get a Finau, until they get a Cantlay, a Shoffley, whatever... It's just not, it's, it, it's, it, it's, the PGA Tour now is in its silly season. And Live Golf, no matter whether it's Cameron Smith, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Kepka, P. Reed, whoever the fuck, 54 holes, 48 players, no television, no prestige, no history, until it, it, it's, 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 a, it's a dead man walking is what it is. Uh, and it just happened, the, the, the bank rollers just happen to have unlimited funds and they're going to, you know, they're going to ride this thing out, but they still don't stand a chance. And I think the future is going to be absorption. The PJ tour will absorb it. If not this year, I think it's only a matter of time. So I have one golf related question. I'll get to my take. Does Rory run it back next year? Uh, as far as is Rory, the tour champion in 2023. I think the biggest event on Rory's... Well, oh, two-part. Is he the tour champion slash does he win a major? I think Rory's biggest ambition next year is to finish his career Grand Slam, and that's to win the Masters. Um, that's, to me, I would imagine that's his number one goal. If he wins the Masters and it, it doesn't win the FedEx Cup, it doesn't matter. It's, it's a success. I think Rory wants to win the Masters one, probably wants to win the FedEx Cup two or another major, uh, and then probably like win the Ryder Cup. Um, but I think the Masters is the number one goal for him, to finish that career Grand Slam. And my take is, I actually disagree a little bit. I think we're done seeing defections. Like, yeah, might the 200th ranked guy in the world go to live? Maybe. Yeah. You know, who knows? It, nobody gives a shit. Who, who cares about that guy? He's, he's struggling to keep his tour card. So who cares if he goes to live? But once Patrick Cantlay, who is the... Republican Party embodied in a golfer. He is sponsored by Goldman Sachs. Uh, just an awful person. Uh, best friend of Xander Schauffele. But once he didn't go, I, I think that's it. I think we're done seeing the big names go. If they were going to go, they would have already gone. The money, The money's not getting any bigger now for them. You know, what they're going to get was what they were going to get. You know, I think Cam Smith was the last big golfer we've seen, which sucks because I was a huge Cam Smith fan. You know, we used to talk about it. Like, I was a big Cam, my Laura, big Cam Smith fan. You know, we would watch golf tournaments for Cam Smith. And we went for Liv. That sucked. But I think Liv is expanding this year. They're going from, what, 18 to 22 events? Yep. Right? 18 to 22. Yep. Um, They still don't have a TV deal. They're not making a dent into PGA Tour golf. They're, uh, uh, 
now that they now that they've siphoned off the talent and people still came back to watch the product like they took dj i assume saudi arabia thought that was the kill shot they took dj then they take the open champion cam smith guess what the tour championship has massive ratings you know people are tuning in dj and cam are a hell of a one two but guess what it's a one two What's, and that's what's, it. What's three versus <laughs> Ro- know, versus Patrick Rom Reed. versus yep. Rom yep. Cantley Shawley Rory Tiger Tiger and you Tiger. know and these guys want fame and fortune and they don't, they don't there's gonna be no fame there they they're they're playing into like a witness relocation program like it's nobody knows there is fortune I mean Dustin Johnson there's, made over thirty million on right, the course but there's no fame uh, no no fame so I'm going to talk about something I I have mentioned I think in the past um, which are the quote-unquote nonprofit hospitals. Uh, full disclosure: I spend much of my professional life now negotiating for nurses and techs and uh, healthcare workers, or with however you want to think of it, uh, the not-for-profit hospitals, and they're not all terrible. Uh, Yale's okay, but as a as a as a business model, as a byproduct of American health, it's a disaster. Um, and we heard this today with uh, this week with the Bon Secours Mercy Health scandal. This is a huge New York-based hospital chain, and they had this hospital in, in Richmond, uh, Richmond Community Hospital. It's very poor area. It was primarily black physicians, black nurses, in a largely uh, black area, and they bought it up. Currently, it has very very poor facilities. Uh, they had to get somebody out of there because they didn't have uh, the, the machinery to test him. It took very long to do it, and he died of sepsis, which they said if he had... I mean, he was in the hospital, and they had to move him out of the hospital to a different hospital. He, he died of sepsis in, uh, in the interim. Um, that hospital makes $100 million a year because the... Um, and this was part of the uh, Affordable Care Act... There's a 340B program, which allows inner city hospitals to purchase their drugs at a steep discount, but charge the insurers as though they didn't. And the idea is that they then use that money because there's not a lot of money coming from the patients. It's all Medicaid. Um, they use that money to support personnel and, and, and renovate, et cetera. But they don't. They just keep it. You know, they, and one of them, they said, oh, we're going to use the money to build an inner city, another inner city hospital. But they put up a luxury apartment building instead. Bon Secours has $9 billion in cash revenue. Uh, they made a billion dollars in profit last year as a not-for-profit. But they have not done anything to reinvest in the community. And the IRS is the one that's supposed to police this to make sure that not-profits are benefiting the communities they serve. But the IRS is not really a, a regulatory agency. I mean, it doesn't really they collect taxes. They collect taxes, right? Right. You know, when when you, when you, you don't go to a knife fight and bring an accountant. Um, and um, the Biden administration has proposed requiring hospitals to report how they spend the profits for the 340B program, but somehow didn't get to it in the first two years. And now, of course, there's no way to get to it because it'll never get out of the house. So. Not thrilled with the Biden administration there, but our healthcare system—if you spent two months just thinking of what's the worst healthcare system I can come up with—you would not touch this. It's as bad as it gets. My take on nonprofit hospitals, in addition to just their rampant greed, is something that hits a little near and dear to somebody who served in New London's government, where. Uh, we have New London is 6.4 square miles. Uh, 10 years ago, 3.2 square miles was untaxable land, including our nonprofit hospital, LNM. Uh, they were recently uh, bought by Yale New Haven Hospital. And since they have done that, they have bought other small practices, further taking them off the tax rolls, further diminishing uh, New London's ability to pay for services while lining their pockets and increasing profits all the way. If you live in America and you think we have a good healthcare system, go go anywhere else. Like, 
I had to go to a I had to go to a walking clinic, an emergency walking clinic in Vermont where they have public health care. And because I fucked up my leg and I had to go to the hospital. And I left and they're like, no, you're good. Don't worry about it. It's free. All right. Thanks. I, I never got a bill. I never got a bill. It was awesome. They just took care of me. Like, but if I had done the same thing at Pequot Yale Emergency Center in Groton, it would have been like 400 bucks. Like, at this point, when are we going to get, how long is it going to take us in America to get to where we say there are millions, tens of millions of people drowning with medical debt? Like, I always hear the you know, the, the right loves to say this. Oh, forgive student loan debt, but what about medical debt? Yeah, forgive that too. That's insane that people go bankrupt when they have cancer. It's insane that people go bankrupt because they got shot and had to pay a fucking surgery bill. Like, at some, when are we going to nationalize our healthcare system? Yeah. When are we going to nationalize hospitals? In Connecticut, the Yukon Health Center, which is our preeminent public hospital in the state of Connecticut. And only. And only is a phenomenal healthcare institution. They are the only place in the state to get treated for sickle cell anemia. Why? Because treatments for sickle cell anemia don't make you money at LM. They don't make you money at Bacchus. They don't make you money at St. Vincent's or St. Joseph's. It makes you, so you have to provide this service because it's the right thing to do. It is mind-boggling to me. As somebody who has a $40,000 a year medical issue that I only have to pay 20 bucks a month because I have union insurance, it is insane to me that what we put people through and what we put workers through in the guise of just profits in the Biden administration, if it was a priority for them, they would have done it. So it clearly wasn't a priority. Well, socialized medicine just this seems like the answer that's so obvious and so you imagine achievable, and yet we just we're not even like just close to that, and I, I we never will be. Um, no, I, I I I mean I thought I thought uh, twenty twenty was twenty twenty we'd see like see it, and it just that it just ran, they ran away from it. And it will. I will never see it. Not, you know why? Because they have nine billion dollars, and they'll spend three billion of it in donate political donations. They don't. It'll be fine. If you want to know why uh, the public option was killed during Obama's term, why Joe Lieberman voted against it, uh, we're the insurance capital of the world. Look at how much Aetna. Look at how much Hartford Healthcare. Look at how much Oxford. Look at how much Anthem. Look at all the money they poured into that campaign to fuck us for the next fifty years. Absolutely. Uh, so for my next rant, I'm actually going to do, we, before our rants, we usually plan, uh, what we're going to talk about so that we divide it up evenly. And I had, uh, two political and one sport. And instead I'm going to change my sport one to a political, uh, because I was thinking about this during the rants and it's, it just really made me laugh. You're calling an audible at the line. Calling an audible at the Let's line go. here and on, uh, an unscheduled change of play. You know, I saw the run defense coming in. Yeah, Omaha. Uh, it was going to be about FIFA and the World Cup and men's soccer and flopping. But listen, we all know, like, come on, that sucks. Uh, don't do that anymore. But instead, what I'm going to talk about was that this week, it, this would have been my rant uh, this week if it had been a normal episode. But this week on Truth Social, Donald Trump said he had a major announcement uh, that was going to change the country and that America needs a superhero. And he'll be announcing it the next day. And, and what this major announcement turned out to be was a $99 NFT of Donald Trump in a tuxedo, Donald Trump in a Superman costume with a WWE belt around him with an American flag and he put out a video and this is why it's so hard to make fun of Donald Trump is because people had to put like no th like this isn't parody this is literally what happened right was he put out a statement going hey everyone it's me Donald Trump hopefully your favorite president better than Lincoln better than Washington <laughs> I 
there's a part of me that wants to buy one. It's that's like that's just a dark part of this. Like, you know, listen, these may be popular. <laughs> like, why not? But there's also a part of this like this reminds me of when you're watching TV at like 2 a.m. And those gold plates or those gold coin commercials come on. And it's like for $9.99, you can own a two-carat gold coin. And this a piece is, of history, whatever they say. I I hope Donald Trump never serves another day in public office. I think the sooner we get rid of him is would be better. But just when you think he's out, bam, there's Moon <laughs> River in the encore. <laughs> encore 8. I get the impression that like he finally hired some lawyers that actually demand payment, <laughs> so he actually need, he might actually need some money, and that's why he's you know dipping his toes into this uh, whatever you want to call it industry field. I have whatever. no, I have no I, idea what to call this. I, me either. Um, he said it's like a baseball card. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. NFTs, which are not ninety nine dollars a piece. No. Well, unless it's yeah. You well, know. I mean, my theory is NFTs will not be NFTs anymore, but it will be like the official way that actual sports memorabilia gets cataloged and sold. Will be right. like you buy the NFT and somebody sends you the actual yeah. memorabilia. Right. I think it actually will be a use for that. This stuff's just no, it's, it's insane. It's it's. <laughs> He, he, but if he wins, I mean, it's gonna, the value's going up. Wins, the value's going you up. buy for $99, sell it for like 1000 if he going, wins. He's going to be. He, it turns but out. You also have to think his target demo probably doesn't have the capability to own an NFT. No. There's, it takes a little bit of crypto, a little bit of knowledge. He, um, the, it, yeah. He also, it turns out that what he really wants is to be the MyPillow guy. And he, it's, he's running for president, and he's doing this. It's amazing. It, it, it is you know, it does make good pillows. I mean, Jim, Jimmy Carter is still building houses as a former president, right. and he's selling $99 pictures of himself. I've got, I've got to Superman. ask real quick, to all, all four of us, Donald Trump, intentionally or unintentionally, is he the funniest president of our lifetime? Obama was pretty funny. No, yeah, no. Whoever took uh, pictures of Biden and Obama was funny. But yeah. Donald Donald Trump called Marco Rubio "little Marco" and then tossed water from a small <laughs> water bottle over his shoulder. He's um, no, I mean, and then he put out a ninety nine dollar NFT. There's no way this isn't funny. Well, no, he's he was the president of the United States. I never find it funny. Like he did irreparable damage to our country yeah. because he's such a clown. But he's a clown. A clown. Yeah, I mean, no, that's that's a, a, a there you go. You yeah, said it. Right. I, don't, I don't really yeah. like clowns, so it's like, there we are. Yeah. But they are funny. Clowns are no, supposed I, to be I, funny. Have you ever laughed at a clown? I've never laughed at a clown in my life. I've laughed at a sad clown, but <laughs> yeah. that was more of a metaphor. Opera? And it sounds like you need yeah. to squeeze a nose sometimes. Uh, the, um, squeeze a squeaky nose. The, um, the, the movie uh, Quick Change. Is it Quick Change? Yeah, with uh, Bill Murray when he t- he's a crying on the inside clown. That's one of his best movies. Quick Change. I like I like the reference. Good pull. So we lost a guy this past week that really meant a lot to me in my kind of just formative years as a college football fan, in my today's days as a college football fan. Mike Leach, um, head coach of the Mississippi State football program, uh, passed away at the age of 61. And this guy was, this is an original. This, this, man, this man, this both both personally, professionally, this is an individual. This is a guy who, you know, co- comes through, plays rugby. He doesn't really have a background playing football. Plays rugby at BYU in, in the early 80s. And ends up at Iowa Wesleyan, Valdosta, Valdosta State in, um, in Georgia, as an offensive coordinator for Hal Mum. And what Hal Mum and Leach and Tandem kind of do is create um, the, the, what is called the air raid, the air raid offense, a, a variation of the spread offense where it's basically it's no huddle, it's fast. It's five. It's 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 five guys, five receivers, five on the line, quarterback, and we're and we're just we're we're throwing downfield. We're th- we're th- we're throwing the ball every play. We're not huddling. This is balls to the wall, pedal to the metal, like four quarters. Um, and there's like in 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 Leach's case, what makes him so fascinating to me is like there's just like there's no compromise in this. And the fact is, he achieves like real success. Um. You know, you look at his first stop at one A school. You look at Kentucky, ninety seven, ninety eight. He's offensive coordinator. Tim Couch is the number one pick in the 1999 NFL draft of the of the expansion Browns. Tim Couch, if you saw his pro career, Tim Couch is a product of the Leach system. 
if he's if Mike Leach is not off, his offense coordinator, he's not running Mike Leach's offense. This person is not the number one overall pick over, uh, and obviously the Browns take quarterback over McNabb over Dante Culpepper. Um, like this guy goes number one, and he's out of the league within like five years, whatever. But you know, Leach sets the, puts this person in a position to be the number one pick in the NFL draft. Goes to Oklahoma in in ninety nine under uh, first year head coach Bob Stoops. He's his first year offense coordinator, um, and it's not a great season. But the quarterback there is Josh Heupel, and they install kind of like it's not like a full blown air raid, but it's 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 pretty close. Um, Leach ends up leaving after that season to go take the head coaching job at Texas Tech. What does Oklahoma do the next year with Heupel at the at the helm and a lot of a lot of principles of Leach's offense there? They win the national title, and Heupel is now one of like the hottest coaching. Uh, coaches in the country. What he's doing at Tennessee, you watch Tennessee, you watch Heupel in 2022, how he coaches. They basically run like an air raid. That's what they do. Um, Look, he has all this, he has a lot of success at Texas Tech, um, a a decade's worth. Takes them to like number two in the polls in 2008. The famous game against number one ranked Texas. It's a home game for them. It's the ABC primetime game in 08. Last second touchdown on Michael Crabtree. They beat number one. They go to two in the polls. Which is the all-time whatever high for the, for the program? They lose a game. They end up in a smaller bowl game. But like they, he takes Texas Tech, which like in the state of Texas, like there's Texas, there's A and M, there's TCU, Baylor, all these programs, Rice. all these schools. Houston. Well, Rice, but these are like for the point I'm making. These are not that these schools with like broader ambitions. And this is like in that, and it is the same thing. His next stop at like Washington State. Like Washington State is not Washington. I'm sorry, Oregon State. No, Washington. Oh, State. Washington, Washington State. State excuse yeah. me. Washington State is not Washington. Mississippi State is not Mississippi. Like they, they are like they are like the B school with the B resources to that to that A side. And look, I, I don't really want to do much on his termination from tech because I think um Craig James is just an asshole. And I'm pretty sure that whole thing was like a publicity. He was yep. pissed off that his son wasn't getting playing time. Yep. So they doctored this story up about uh he had a concussion. They made him go sit in a dark room and Leach is just like, I told him to get out of the sunlight. And he was bad that he wasn't getting enough playing time, and the whole thing was just yeah. Like, it, it, it was it, it was it was fucking bullshit. It was over the fact that Tech did not want to pay him more money. It was all, it was all to me. It was all over like a contract dispute. Um, but that's kind of the blemish on his record. Again, success at Washington State, success at Mississippi State. Was really looking forward to watching them in a bowl game, watching watching a Mike Leach coach team um, in, a, in, a, in a couple of weeks in a bowl game, and they're gonna play. I'm glad they're playing. Um. His tentacle, his web, the tentacles of like what, who, who he coached, who's coaching now, his coaching tree, like you think like like Patrick Mahomes played under Kingsbury, Kingsbury played quarterback for Leach. It's like it's all over the place, um, and that's just one example of of, of many. Lincoln Riley at USC, um, his influence is going to be felt forever. Um, he's a fucking weirdo. Like we can say that he's a weird dude. Says weird shit. Um, but Fuck. not in like a problematic sense. No. Like, tells Fuck. SEC Network silent reporters that like, hey, look, I'm happy for you and your fiance, but like, weddings are terrible. Just elope. <laughs> he <laughs> like he likes bad candy. He tested the efficacy on camera of coffee in combating fire ants versus water. <laughs> this is a weird dude, but an individual and an absolute like one of one of uh, somebody that the football that we watch in 2022 NFL college honestly like you know we don't watch high school football but if you go to like high school football games and like especially in like hotbeds like mike leach's offensive principles are all over all over this sport at every level um and he was just the fucking interesting funny charismatic uh weirdo who is really influential and i'm I'm gonna miss him a lot it's a real loss to college football i mean some of those interviews when he was like grumpy and just being snippy with uh reporters were hilarious um you know that texas tech team with michael crabtree that was the first time i heard about mike leach i remember those game. i remember that texas game where crabtree makes that catch that offense was incredibly fun to watch like it was every game was high scoring the offense was moving the ball the quarterback looked good his receivers who and it's like you said it's texas tech they're not getting five-star recruits they're getting three two-star recruits, you know, and they're making these guys look like NFL players. Um, 
I had just watched that Mike Leach elope, you know, get eloped. Weddings were fucking terrible. Yeah, what are you doing here? <laughs> I don't waste your money on that. Yeah, you know, I had watched that like two weeks ago because that was said like a month ago. Yeah. You know, he 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 was a, a true character in college football. Aside from the bullshit that happened at Texas Tech, not a guy that anyone has any bad words to say about. No controversies. No problems. Not a problematic guy at all. Uh, just a real good coach, funny guy, and uh, college football is really going to miss like his influence in the game. And one of the things that's really impressive is that he didn't come up with a system and then have no plan B. Like he's not Chip Kelly. Like that, he he got more run concepts in that you know Mississippi State ran the ball quite a bit and quite successfully. Um, he was a, a terrific coach, and and you know, well said. Sixty one. That's too. Just months away from that. So, yeah. So, here's a coach who will not be Mike Leach. University of Alabama, Birmingham. They won today. The yes. football, football team. Did. Right, yeah. uh, under, their, under their interim coach. Yeah. So, they're 7 6. They, 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 had, they had won the um, Conference USA last year. Uh, this year, they had less good of a year, but their, their head coach had to step, step aside because uh, he was having so much back pain. So, uh, they were, they had an interim in, and they went out and hired Trent Dilfer, um, the Super Bowl quarterback. Um, though he, I mean, he, he, he the ultimate game manager. Um, I think that's being generous. Yeah, right. Say. He he was, <laughs> he was a, a poor man's Andy Dalton, and he got he got the job, even though he has never coached at any level of college. In any position. So he's never been a coordinator. He's never been anything. He was on ESPN. He coached at a Catholic school. Oh, Lips, um, he, Lipscomb University, which is a high school. It's not a college. And he was uh, primarily known for grabbing one of his players, screaming in his face. The kid ends up throwing his helmet down. He, he's, he, he in a public high school, he would have been fired immediately uh, for this. But... You know, UAB's athletic director, Mark Ingram. I don't think it's that Mark Ingram. It's, oh, it's, it's, oh, not, it's not the five foot ten running back. Oh, it could for be. The Who knows? Yeah, right. Trent is a proven winner on or off the field at all at all levels and will be a tremendous leader for our program. He's a Super Bowl winning quarterback who played the game at the highest level for many years and has coached some of the top quarterbacks who are currently NFL franchise players. Um, Trent's goals and vision for our program is to lead. UAB to the college football playoff, and we have no doubt that he's the right choice to lead our transition in the American Athletic Conference. I would like to take a moment. This is this is also on the heels of Jeff Saturday coming from the uh, for the Colts coming out of the t- uh, off the TV and into the head coaching job. I'd like to take a minute to think about all of these assistant coaches, many of them black, who have moved. You know, year after year to different positions, taking slightly higher jobs, slightly higher jobs, going from, you know, linebacker coach to assistant defensive coordinator to def- defensive coordinator. And, you know, over many, you know, over decades. Doing the work. Right. Doing the work. Doing the work, perfecting your craft. <clears throat> he used to go, Dilfer used to go and work on the Elite 11, at the Elite 11 uh, quarterback. That's not doing the work. He hasn't done he you know Deion Sanders did the work. He went coach he coached uh, HBCU. He's I mean that's a whole that's a whole other rant though. Right, but that, I mean I had no I had no problem with that Colorado hire. He's already getting five star recruits. Uh, no, really, Deion said Deion said he was committed to uh, Andrew. You know, yeah, like, uh, yeah, yeah I know. that's well, a whole that's a whole other we'll rant. Save this for we'll, yeah, we'll save yeah, that for we'll, next season. Right, yeah. we'll save it for next season. Yeah. Regardless, it's a lot to unpack. Um, <laughs> But but at least he. All I'm saying is he had coached. Oh yeah, no sure. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. Doubt. Oh definitely. Right. Yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah. Dilfer has not coached. He was a sub mediocre analyst, and now he's a high school coach, and screaming at kids. Uh, uh, once again, cancel culture, not for white men. Doesn't happen. He ends up. I mean, they had a big thing. I hope he's able to keep his job. Well, he got promoted. Um, I think he's going to be a disastrous hire. No one is going to UAB because Trent Dilfer's their coach. I mean, that's like, well, it was, 
I, I remember when I was seven, he was on television, and before I was born, he played in the Super Bowl. It's not happening. It's a, it's a disgraceful hire. It, it's the perfect place for a guy like him, though. This mid-level quarterback going to this mid-level school program to toil where nobody's oh he's he's gonna go seven and six eight and five for the next forty years. I think if he goes eight and five, that'll be a success. He's going to a harder conference. Well, is UAB changing conferences? Yeah, they're going to the AAC. Oh, they're fucked. Right, they're, they're, they're going. Yeah, they're, they got to play Houston. They got to play and Cincinnati and Memphis and Memphis yeah. and Tulane. Well, Cincinnati's going to be well. Cincinnati's big going to like 12, 12 yeah. 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 But anyway, which makes no there's, sense. There's still going to be a bottom feeder in that conference. But like, yeah, they're going to be yeah. terrible yeah. And, and and good. I'm glad. Yeah, um, it's funny. Trent Dilfer was going to be. I had I had a really good question for you, and I'm going to save the question. But like a couple of weeks ago in the bar, I was like, oh, I'll save it. Trent Dilfer was one of the answers to that question. The fact that Trent Dilfer, in like the, the Super Bowl season with the Ravens. Like this is a guy who gets he's not even he's not even he doesn't even win the job out of camp. Like Tony Banks is a starting quarterback. And Tony Banks is so fucking bad, yet the team's winning halfway through the season, they go to Dilfer. And you know we don't have to litigate the fact that like, yeah, man, like Ray Lewis and Rod Woodson and Peter Bulware and all of these amazing defensive players. It's, it's the best defense I've ever seen is the two thousand Ravens that just fucking destroys the Giants in the Super Bowl. Special teams touchdown, defensive touchdown, Dilfer like does nothing. Nothing. How rare is it for a for a team to score thirty five points in a Super Bowl, and the MVP is a defensive player, is Ray Lewis? Like that just never happens because Dilfer is that fucking mediocre. Um, Dilfer was a frequent guest on Simmons, the early versions of Bill Simmons' podcast, the BS Report, yep. back in like the late uh, late outs, like early early uh, teens. Um, was terribly mediocre. It was just it was total. It's why he has no place. He has no place in like an NFL live with like Orlovsky and Spears and Ryan Clark and those guys. I mean. Uh, like he just it, the game the game is like passed him by like he's and yet this school has decided to pay him seven figures to lead their football team. It's a disgrace. It's a joke. It's not a meritocracy. It's uh, what's the word for it? What do you want to call it? It's a, a whiteocracy. Whiteocracy. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. That's what it is. Sadly. So to round off my final rant of this. One of my favorite episodes, Randapalooza. I'm going to be talking about something that happened within the last month, which I honestly breathed a sigh of relief about because now I don't have to think about this person ever again. Kirsten Cinema, who wears a funny wig and wears these sassy sweaters while she presides over the Senate and, oh, is just kind of kooky and Mitt Romney loves her. Uh decided that she would leave the Democratic Party to become an independent and caucus uh, with the Democrats. And, of course, she's not losing any committee seats. She's not losing any committee assignments. She is not suffering any uh, repercussions for this decision. But she has decided to become an independent. She says... She wrote this long op-ed, ostensibly it's because she's bipartisan. She wants to be an independent voice for Arizona. They don't care about party in Arizona, except they clearly do. They keep choosing the Democrats uh, in Arizona. But she said she's going to become an independent voice. Now, you can take that as, well, she's always been independent voice. She's, you know, voted against Democrats, and she's voted with Democrats. Uh, no, she became an independent because Every single poll that had her facing any other Democrat from the state of Arizona had her getting her ass kicked. She was getting crushed by any other Democrat in Arizona. So she decided to become an independent so that she could run and the Republicans will put up somebody and the Democrats will put up somebody. And all Kirsten Sinema has done is given the Republicans a seat for the next six years because there will be zero Republican voters in Arizona that vote for her because she doesn't think that the government is run by a satanic cabal of pedophiles, which, by the way, QAnon, very popular in Arizona, uh, hence the Stop the Steal rigmarole that happened last election. So now we're going to lose this seat in a lip, in a state that is becoming more liberal because Kirsten Cinema, former Green Party member, has decided to leave. Now, if the Democrats, once we won the 51st seat, once we won the Warnock seat, fuck her. Fuck her. We don't need her. We don't need her. We'll go back to having 
Kamala break all the ties. Who gives a shit? Put her in the fucking corner and let her sit there and be ineffective so we can lose and actually deal with a Republican or a Democrat and whoever the fuck comes out of that weird-ass state, which is a Arizona is problematic because they're what happens when you put your finger in God's eye and say, how hot can you actually make this state? <laughs> like they, they spit in God's face and worry and wonder why they're insane. This is good. Like, I'm glad she's gone. We don't need her. We don't want her. Chuck Schumer. I'll just say it. Chuck Schumer's a bitch. Like he's a wimp. Like he, you know what? Her, just like how Harry Reid took back Joe Lieberman when Lieberman campaigned for McCain, Schumer is taking back cinema when she's spitting in the face of the Democrats. This is why the Democrats always can't get anything done because it's like herding a bunch of cats and the Republicans all just stand in line and vote yes or they vote no. And it's because they have leaders who actually tell them what to do and there are repercussions if they don't do that. The Democrats... Let anyone do whatever because we're a big 10. And you know what? We want those George Conways. We want those Bill Crystals. We want more of them in our party. Well, what happens is that you get a Joe Manchin and a Kirsten Cinema, And we deserve to lose when we take no actions when people spit in our face. Kirsten Cinema uh, is not an independent voice. She is a voice for her donors. That's all she cares about. She has made a goddamn fortune since she went yep. in there, and um, you're right. It's you're right about everything. It's it's disgraceful, and she is also incredibly ineffective. Yes. Yeah. And um, what is the calculus for her? Like, what is the like? What does this she thinks, transition she thinks, do for her? She thinks for she her. can pull off the Lieberman in 2006 Which, when he went independent, and the Republicans ran Alan Schlesinger, our neighbor. Right. Because he was the mayor of Derby, lived about six houses down. And was a clown. Was a weird dude. I knew that at six. Right. But they were an Alan Schlesinger who got 2.8% of the vote because all the Republicans just voted for Lieberman. But in Arizona, the Republicans are going to vote for the Republican. Right. Like in Connecticut, it's a solid blue state where we don't have a lot of Republican influences. Uh, Arizona is a solid purple state coming off of being a red state where they have an incredibly powerful and effective Republican machine that can do things. I, I think she could also go run as an independent and get 6%. Oh, she's going to get her ass kicked. Yep. Good. Yeah. Right. To round out my, uh, my rants, um, I wish... I always love talking basketball. I wish I had something like more like positive to talk about in terms of like a league that I really enjoy watching. But no, I gotta I gotta call out our boy, the commish, Adam Silver. What are you doing, bro? Um, this week, it was announced that the NBA's like individual awards, so the MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, uh, Sixth Man of the Year, Most Improved Player, were all going to take on the names of uh, various legends of the game. Um, now look, when the in the wake of Kobe Bryant's death, when the NBA decided to award the, to call the NBA the All-Star Game MVP, to call it the Kobe Bryant Award, I thought, good on you. That's that's cool. That's that a, that's nice a, that's a good, because Kobe was, you know, was always great in All-Star Games. He was, a, you know, a part of them for 20 years. He won multiple MVPs. Like, sure. That's that's a that's a cool little commemoration of his career. To call the, similarly, the NBA Finals MVP, the Bill Russell Award. There was no NBA Finals MVP during a stretch where Bill Russell won he would have won 11 of them or 10 of them. Um, but there's no MVP. The one year he could have won finals MVP, they gave to Jerry West, who was on the losing team in that series, which, you know, you want to call it the Bill Russell Award? Fuck yeah. Bill Russell deserves every fucking accreditation. But here we are in 2022, and we're going to call the most valuable player. And I suppose it's better than, like, the Kia most valuable player. Yeah. <laughs> it's called the, the Michael Jordan MVP. Hey, Michael Jordan. Sure. Makes I mean, he's sense. the GOAT. Sure. Um, there is somebody that won more MVPs than him. His name is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I mean, just saying. If you're named the award after somebody, like, if it's going to be anybody, wouldn't it be the guy with the most of them? Maybe? I don't know. Just food for thought. Defensive Player of the Year. The Akeem Olajuwon Award. Again, <laughs> uh, again, Akeem, like a legend. Uh, won the award twice, 93-94. Um, was a 
great defensive player, also a great offensive player. Was it was a was a walking twenty and ten in his sleep, um, an all time great. I like him getting his due here, but I don't know Ben Wallace, somebody that didn't have much offensive game, but was that big of a defensive. Who also won the award, I believe, four times, which is the record. I, ben Wallace, I don't know. Sixth man of the year, the John Havlicek Award. I'm sorry, but I just think of John Havlicek as more than the sixth man of the like. Well, he, I, I get, started, I get that he came off the bench in some in, in a capacity, but like in some years, yeah, sure, not at the end. But when I was know. watching them, he was no, starting. he's like one of the I don't know, forty or fifty best players of all time. And Havlicek you know, stole the ball. Yeah. Is iconic. Like the iconic call the, the, the in Boston Celtic sports Dynasty. media. He's yeah. you know, such a piece of it. Um. Most improved, George Mike, and that one. Got, oh, you did, you didn't let yeah. me get there, but no, please, please, because, uh, because no, no, Ed, Ed, he, at the end of his prime, you were barely, you were not even born. So tell right. us about your George Mike and memories. All, all I can, all I can think is well, yeah, where he is the tallest guy on the court by like five inches every time he plays. It's he's like bowl bowl playing in uh, in Division Three, and um. People are going to win that award and have no idea who the hell he is. Who the fuck is George Mikan? Like, <laughs> right. call, the, call it the, I don't know, Detlef Shrimp for Tony Kukoc. I don't know. My point is, this is... It's dumb. It's really dumb. And it's, I mean, I use this expression a lot and maybe to, like, to a fault, but this is, it's like Adam Silver trying to, like, answer questions that nobody ever fucking answered. Asked. It, you know what I'm saying? Like, nobody, nobody, wa- who wanted this? Why? Because the NHL has, a, all their awards are named after guys from, like, a century ago. That's kind of cool in its own way. The Hart, the Norris, the Vesna, the, the Selkie. But those are the Calder. The Lady Bing. The Lady Bing. Those <laughs> but those are all like actual like the pillars of the professional sport in the but early also, 20th yeah, century. Like they like but, defined hockey. But, but it's but like also, they defined modern hockey. But, right. But, but they've always been called that. And nobody remembers like I assume Vesna was a person, but I've never thought I assume of, he played goalie because they keep it to a goalie. Uh, so but I, I just like it's just what the name of the goal. But right. this is it's not called the Vesna Best Goalie Award. It's, it's called yeah, the Vesna Award. Are like, people going to be like, hey, I, I really want to win that Elijah one. My, 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 you see, year. my big issue is with the Elijah one Award. Because I am tired of this Alonzo Mourning erasure. <laughs> Why not the Alonzo Mourning Award? He was a great defensive player. He was player. an amazing player. Yeah. He was a great player. One of the great rivals but of this, the Knicks in the this 90s. Is the, I can't, this, this is the I can't support this. This is the problem in general, the, the Yao Ming Award. This is the problem in Rudy general. Gobert. The Rudy Gobert. Oh. No, that's the toxic co- teammate that's of the, the year. Yeah, that's the Culture award. killer of the yeah. year. That's yeah. the COVID comeback player. Uh, but the problem with this is like, when naming these awards after players, especially players that are from the modern era, like, like we talked about, the hockey players are before TV before fucking radio before they're expansion from like the, before yeah, they're from like the yeah. original six, original six. Yeah. like what like nobody remembers that it was the fucking 20s or 30s it was and they have cool names too they have cool names yeah. but like, like naming it after guys that like we watched as kids and it's like all right i mean i get the the only one i don't mind is the jordan mvp that's award. fine that's fair he, he should have won like eight and he, he won five he's the know? goat I, I get that, you know, but yeah, it, it's just a problem of like deifying these players because now all of a sudden these players are going to look even greater than their stats are because now they're memorialized in time and forever with these awards. Who got coach? Wh- who's a coach of the year named after? That's it's already a thing. Red Auerbach. Red Auerbach? Yeah. Exec- which is already a thing. Executive of the year? The Danny Ferry? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> executive of the year? Yeah. yeah right. All oh right. God. So. You know, Zach, you talked about the strong Republican leadership. I'm not strong. Strict. Strict. Well, but we have a the most dispiriting race of, of going on right now, the most dispiriting election in human history, as Kevin McCarthy, who is set to become Speaker of the House, who famously just brought Donald Trump all the yellow starbursts, because that's the kind he liked, and he would just bring bags of yellow Starburst to whenever he met with Trump. Um, is being cont- have, is having a speakership contested by uh, Arizona's own uh, Andy Andy Biggs. Andy Biggs. Andy B- Big if, Andy Biggs. If you if you wonder, well, will he be better? Let's just point out that Matt Gates, um, pedophile, um, 
Sex trafficker. Sex trafficker, Matt Gates. Allegedly. Right. You know, with the uh, who's got the forehead of the, the villain in uh, The Incredibles. He, um, he's supporting Biggs. And there's five of them. And so now the moderates, no, a moderate Republican is a fascist. But still, it is what it is. He, the, Marjorie Taylor Greene is supporting Kevin McCarthy. Wow. Oh, I'll be, oh you know why? Because he's going to put her back on the committee. put her back on the committee. Right. Well, I mean, right. Because he, um, he, I mean, it's it's a, um, there are, the, the, the house is pretty close. So he can't lose a whole bunch of. It's like, what, eight? It's 211. Uh, or 213. It's it's like an, it's, it's two, like an eight vote margin, right? It's uh, 222, 212. That's it. Ten vote, yeah. Right. It's five. Right. So there's five, so swing, five, five swing votes. Yeah. And remember, everybody votes. So the Democrats are clearly not voting for McCarthy, and if five others do not vote for McCarthy, then you could have a situation. Here is how McCarthy told Hugh Hewitt. Uh, the, the New York Times Jesus. contribution to nothing that he expects to win the vote. And, you know, but he said, I just believe this is a win for the Democrats are sitting back and we can't allow them this to happen, that to happen. But here is what the centrist group did. They started, they said they were going to wear buttons that stood for only Kevin. And they initialed it. Okay. So people are supposed to be wearing okay buttons because he's okay, I guess. <laughs> it's fine. It's like, it's like. Th- it's this it's is a far a, cry from we like Ike. Right. Or, or, yeah, right. <laughs> or um, hope. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's the, the uh, shrug shoulder emoji of campaigns. He's uh, okay. Like, well, we'll get by. Um, supposedly no one's wearing them. It is just so dispiriting. This party who has not had an idea to run government since Jack Kemp, um, is now, I mean, that wasn't a good idea, but it was an idea, um, is now spent turning on themselves, and it's just our democracy is doomed forever and ever and ever. This is the natural outgrowth of the same fights we saw 12 years ago with the rise of the Tea Party, is that... We don't have a two-party system. We have a two-and-a-half-party system. We have the Democrats, the Republicans, and the Tea Party. Now the Tea Party is the QAnon caucus or whatever the fuck they go by. Uh, the Matt Gates, Lauren Boebert, Mo Brooks, uh, all those Paul guys. Gosar. Paul Gosar, you know, all those nut jobs that, you know, don't believe elections are real. Um, Jim Jordan, part of that group. But... It's the natural outgrowth of the Tea Party movement, and the Republicans under Boehner never got a handle on the Tea Party movement. They let the Tea Party movement run rampant. You know, one of the things I am genuinely concerned about is we're going to have to raise the debt ceiling with this Congress, and they are not going to raise the debt ceiling. They got it, uh, and and both appropriations chairs are gone. Yes. And so Susan Collins will be riding whip for the Republicans, so you know that's going to go great. Um I mean, she'll actually compromise, but she's, uh, I forget who is it for the Democrats, but no, and, and they're, they're never going to raise a debt ceiling, um, which they should, by the way, they should have in the lame duck session, gotten rid of that whole rule. Just get rid of it. Just get rid of it. What are we doing? But we couldn't because Christine Cinema won't, won't get rid of the filibuster. There is something so very Bill Bradley collective about ending the last rant of Rantapalooza with... Democracy is doomed forever and ever. That's <laughs> it, just it's been the theme of the season. Yeah. It, it kind of has. The theme <laughs> of the entire show <laughs> yeah. for three years. I will say, before you finish up, just a little peel behind the curtain. Uh, this is probably my favorite episode to record of the year. But This is a lot of fun. I want to ask you guys, Is it to me, it's the toughest episode. Because it's basically three monologues. Three monologues. Yeah, you're basically, you're sure. basically trying to do three monologues in 45 minutes. My favorite are the specials. Yeah, I, I like doing the specials because a I never remember them, uh, so when I heard them again because it was five months ago, it's like oh this is good. I, oh I the gotta, bonus episodes. Yeah, I got to subscribe to this this show. Yeah, and then um, and I also like doing the research, but yeah, these are these are good. But I yeah, it it takes a while. I was 
working on it for quite a while. Today. You have yeah. to kind of have like three narratives versus the usual format of like right. the one main topic narrative where you have two allies and you're one your own. But those are three is this our official own. season finale or is next week our official next season finale? Next week is our official season finale. Or is n- let's look at the <laughs> let's get confirmation. Next week, next, week, the- next week is the re- report from our first episode. Correct, which is the season finale. That is right. the season finale. Okay. Yeah. And then we'll be back next year to talk about uh, rivalries and sports and politics and a whole bunch of hot topics and all the shit that's going on and probably live golf. And we'll be back with the Bill Bradley Collective. As always, we thank you for joining us here. And if you like today's episode, smash that subscribe button. Leave us a review. Let's help grow the collective brand. We'll see you all next week on the Bill Bradley Collective. Collective.